We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? You know, Blair, uh, living dream. We're halfway through the season. You know, can't believe, uh, can't believe that we're um, this close to the end here. Uh, well, not end, I guess. Half, we're at the <laughs> midway, but like it almost feels like it's end, right? Halloween's over. It got, it got really cold here. Yeah, I don't know about you. Uh, we had a bunch of wind games today, you know, so seasons are changing. That's right. Yes, halfway through the season, but, you know, in a lot of fantasy leagues, it's it's really the home stretch for the regular season. So, yeah, it does feel like it's starting to wrap up. Teams start to know where they stand in relation to the playoffs and uh, in relation to future draft picks and stuff. So it's an exciting time for sure. Uh, let's jump right into the news. <clears throat> Dalvin Cook rushed 30 times for 163 yards and three touchdowns, catching two of three targets for 63 yards and another score in Minnesota's Week 8 win over the Packers. Cook didn't miss a beat coming back from his groin injury and looked incredible on Sunday. Uh, he handled 32 of the team's 35 backfield touches and should be locked into a top three option. So where do you think Dalvin should be ranked uh, for the rest of the season? Um, for me, uh, RB1, like, <laughs> like the RB1, um, I actually, well, I'm going to pull this up. I just want to check what their, um, the, the rest of the season, like strength of schedule kind of looks like, but, and this is not just me like reacting to, to the, to the one day, like the one game, right? I mean, like we know Dalvin's good. We know what, you know, we know what he is. Um, he is, uh, you know, like, um, He's a bit of a dual threat, although we haven't seen a lot of the pass catching stuff. He did take like a 50 yard screen to the house today, just because, uh, I mean, that's just the kind of day it was. Um, but looking through over here, Minnesota has, trying to find it here. Yeah, they've got one of the, well, they have a more of a middling schedule and, uh, I guess his, um, I guess his playoff schedule is kind of tough at Tampa Bay, then home to Chicago, then at New Orleans. Um, so not, you know, not exactly easy, but like there's a bunch of good games there, but at the same time, I mean, like he's getting all the work, right? Like 32 of 35 backfield touches is absolutely ridiculous. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, Alexander Madison saw like three touches. I, I mean, like this guy is, like, uh, you know, so I mean, like, like, I guess he's probably brought on to be a bit of a breather. I mean, like, like Dalvin's one of those explosive talents that we've seen this kind of ridiculous ceiling upside from, right? And, uh, and he's just someone who I think should be like locked and loaded, right? Like he should be, um, treated as, I mean, even with CMC coming back, uh, it's really difficult to see, um, you know, I mean, CMC outscoring Dalvin down the stretch. I think Mike Davis has made a bit of a case for himself to at least see a bigger workload than what the coaching staff was initially willing to give him. Uh, right. Like, I mean, like if you had to, if you had to, to, to guess there, right. Like who would your top three be for the rest of the season? Um, so rest of season with McCaffrey back, I think you'd have to have him in the top three. Camara would probably be my number. I would, I might have Camara at number one. Ah, uh, yeah. I forgot about Camara. Yeah. 
Um, and I guess a part of the reason why I forgot about Kamara is because he had kind of, I mean, he had a really good game today, but kind of unmemorable. And also we're waiting for the inevitable Michael Thomas return. Who knows where he's been, but like, I mean, Kamara's target share sure. can only stand to shrink, right? Sure, but I mean, when you're talking about somebody getting 13 targets in a game and that shrinking, I mean, you're still going to be happy with with that if it's like eight targets a game uh, for a running back. I mean, you know, um, obviously Cook had a good game today, but you look at his workload split, 30 carries, two targets, or two receptions. Um, Yeah. You know, that's something that is... It works if you're getting touchdowns. I don't know if that's the sort of workload I want to chase all that often. Um, so that has me a little concerned, even though this game was close and probably keeps Cook out of my top two. Uh, you know, and then I Who's have come here. Oh no, uh, McCaffrey. I think. Ah uh, ah. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to push back so, a little bit on that. Well. Let me tell you some other names that I also might have ahead of Cook. I might have Aaron Jones ahead of Cook when he returns, uh, assuming he's back next week. I might mm, – this is close. I might actually have James Robinson ahead of Cook just because he also gets a lot more work in the passing game. So there are some other names that I that I would – for rest of season that I would think could populate my top five ahead of Cook. Uh, see, that's where I'm going to have to push back with you, right? So Camara, I can absolutely agree with, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, like, yeah, that, that was an oversight on my part. Um, <laughs> but, but with, uh, James Robinson, I can't do it. Uh, he's getting a ridiculous from just from a workload perspective. I absolutely agree with you, but from an actual fantasy perspective, uh, I mean, the, the Jaguars made the announcement that Gardner Minshew is not starting next week. They're going to roll with Jake. Luton, Luton. I don't know how to pronounce his name, and I don't care. And and, mm-hmm. and and then there's also Mike Glennon, right? So like you've got these two guys coming under center. Who knows how dysfunctional the offense is going to be, or functional? You don't know, right? So I don't. I think that might actually prevent James Robinson from being a top two or top three option for me. Definitely, probably in the top five or top six. Um, for Aaron Jones, a downside case has always been Jamal Williams stealing away a little bit of work, and he's looked really good in this off in the stretch where. Um, uh, Aaron Jones hasn't been around, right? So you can see them going back to that 60-40 split that they had uh, deployed last year as well. That was kind of successful. Um, mm-hmm. Just to push back a little bit on that, like, you know, lack of targets. Like, he had three targets, yeah, but, like, this also kind of undersells the fact that Kirk Cousins attempted 14 pass attempts, right? He only had, like, one fewer mm-hmm. one fewer um, uh, target than Thielen, who had four, or Jefferson, who had four, right? Um, it, like, we know what the Vikings want to do. And, um, like, I've never, uh, we know what the team wants to get a lead and then they're just going to try and run the ball, right? And, like, it doesn't work when your running game isn't working, like, as it was earlier in the year, right? Because then you're not getting, you know, generating offense via the rush or the pass. You're just sort of laying over and dying, which explains their two and five record, right? This is a very lucky win for Minnesota, in my opinion. Um, so, Knowing that, right, like we just know that uh, Zimmer is kind of like in this team itself is kind of old school in that regard, which is stupid because like prior to uh, who was their OC that they let go and then he joined the Jags. I can't remember his name, but he was Stef- Stefanski. Oh. No, was it? No, it wasn't. Stefanski. Well, he's on the Browns now. No, right. Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, this is, we're old. We're, we're um, not, <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, so he would pepper. Dalvin with a lot of targets. So we know his, his role there is capable of like growing at the very least. I just don't know why they don't do that. Um, yeah, I do see, um, I don't, it's killing me. Yeah, it is, it's killing me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but you know, I mean, like with CMC, we know he's going to be back, but even then, like it's hard to see him maintain that ridiculous target share that we saw last season. And even, like, I'm just going to look over here uh, to see how he was performing, at least in terms of, like, opportunity from the from the NFL, uh, the road of his NFL status for, um, yeah, so just, like, going back to some of his earlier game logs, he only had two games. I mean, he saw four and five targets, right? Whereas, like, last year he was seeing, I mean, those <laughs> four targets was kind of his, like, well, three 
yeah, four or five was kind of his like on the low end of the of the equation. But now Robbie Anderson sort of showed up and he's taking a lot of targets away, right? Like, um, so let's see how that one works out. I do think that Dalvin should definitely be a top two option. Um, maybe after Camara, probably, but it's like, I think the gap might be closer. Uh, you know, maybe if they got a little bit more serious about feeding Dalvin some targets, it would be good. Um, I want to take this on a slight tangent though here with like these Alexander Madison slappies. Like what is wrong with them, man? Like he's just not good, not good <laughs> at all. Right. Like he's like completely worthless. Um, but as every, every time he's like kind of a plug and play option for Dalvin, he just is a massive, massive, massive flop. Just like, he's completely worthless. Like he's script dependent, just completely worthless. He's not explosive enough in the running game. Like his dynasty value is honestly probably some like random free agent dollars. Like he's probably not even worth like a real pick. Um, like, you know, I mean, like, I really don't see, like, like maybe Mike Boone or, like, Amir Abdullah, like, are better backup options than, than Madison for Cook. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, Mike Boone is kind of exciting. Uh, Abdullah was, you know, he's someone we were fans of back when he uh, was a prospect. Of course, that was true for Madison, too. I mean, uh, I don't, yeah, it's hard to say with Madison. I don't know that we've really seen, seen enough to make a determination one way or another because he just hasn't been getting work as long as Cook is healthy. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's another guy that I was fairly high on as a prospect. Um, you know, but he's going the way of so many former Boise State favorites. The, uh, Ajayi McNichols route, so it's kind of disappointing. J.K. Dobbins rushed 15 times for 113 yards in the Ravens' week eight loss to the Steelers, and he added one catch for eight yards. Um, you know, both Dobbins and Edwards were effective on the ground against Pittsburgh, and um, Edwards saw Edwards saw one more carry than his rookie backfield mate. You know, what are your thoughts on Dobbins' role going forward, and uh, how do you think this backfield shakes out? Uh, well, I'm optimistic about Dobbins' role long term. I think I don't see a situation where, even with Ingram out, where he takes all of the carries. I think we saw that they like to use Edwards, especially around the goal line. He got the touchdown, um, and they like to use Dobbins more in the receiving game, although that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. Uh, you know, as we're talking about two targets. So it's, it's a little difficult to see him having a lot of, um, a lot of fantasy value most weeks. You know, even on this, in this game, when he rushed for 113 yards, he only ended with like 13 fantasy points because he didn't score a touchdown. He caught one pass. Um, so, you know, without the touchdowns, I'm not sure he's going to have a lot of value this year. And it seems like Edwards is getting the touchdowns. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish long term, but a little bit cautious in the short term, which, uh, is maybe, maybe sort of the situation that I think everyone is in with Dobbins. I don't know. What's, what's your take on this backfield? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Edwards apparently was a little banged up. Uh, in this game, uh, but like he came back in. I mean, one of the things that really frustrates me is that Dobbins actually did look like the superior like running back, and it really fr- is frustrating to watch the uh, Raven staff just not commit to him. I don't know why they're doing that. Um, I don't know. I mean, like there were multiple. Like I really think that like having Edwards in on a handful of these like short and goal situations instead of Dobbins was a big mistake because like the Steelers were doing. They did a really good job of shutting down uh, the Ravens' bat, like r- rush, and then uh, eventually they just sort of were fine with it, um, and they, I mean, they still pulled out the victory, right? Uh, so it's just wild to me that um, like Dobbins so clearly looked like the superior running back, but he was still made to like split, split time with Edwards. Like it's just so weird. I don't know, man. I mean, like this team like had forty-seven rushing attempts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say that I think Edwards 
I think Edwards was fine in this game. I mean, you know, he did get that touchdown and he had a few long runs and picked up some key first downs that probably you would expect to see Dobbins hit those two. Um, but it's not like Edwards is disappointing the team. I don't think it's not like he's not producing or not delivering what they, what they want from him. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I think Dobbins is definitely the more talented. The fact that they're, Using him to catch passes, that he's gaining more yards, uh, looks a lot more explosive, honestly, than Edwards. I mean, these are all, <laughs> these are all, you know, reasons why I'm really bullish, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say that Edwards is bad when he's, you know, rushing for 87 yards and a touchdown. So, um, that's, that's part of why I'm thinking that they, they really don't go away from this split anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, that's just a bit of a bummer, I think. Uh, but mm. I mean, it, it would really kind of, uh, not be great if like Dobbins was kind of, kind of shackled for like the rest of the season. This is kind of where you expect someone like him to be coming on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it, but, um, it's a bit of a bummer, but well, let's see if what happens with the roles next week. I believe Ingram might have already been ruled out. If not, he's at least definitely trending on the wrong side of playing. So let's see how what they deploy next uh, next week. Uh, and they will be playing against uh, the Colts. They have a fairly stout. I mean, I guess I don't know if it's fairly stout, but they have a solid-ish run defense. So let's see what they do over there. Um, I mean, realistically, it's it's really hard for any running back in this offense to truly have, um, uh, you know, and Dalvin Cook forty-ish point plus ceiling. Uh, on any given week, or at least it's difficult to project that even as a ceiling outcome because Lamar just takes so much of that away. And even today, Lamar had his breathtaking run that he's like ran it in for a touchdown that was called back like a holding. Uh, so it's just one of those things that you want to, you know, I mean, keep your, uh, at least, uh, check out or keep your, uh, you know, grind the box score scout and grind the player's high score to figure out what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we saw in this game, obviously, like you mentioned, 47 rushing attempts for the, for the, uh, wait, is that right? Yeah, for the Ravens. Um, yep. even in a game that was relatively close most of the time, in fact, the Ravens were losing a lot of the time. Um, you know, Marquise Brown caught that one touchdown at the end, but only had two targets. Is he someone that you're still holding on to in redraft leagues, or um, do you think that this offense is just not going to produce enough opportunity for him to be valuable? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely holding on to him in redraft. Like he's kind of got that Will Fuller Fuller is Fuller ish upside. It's just a bit of a bummer, right? Because um, you get nothing from either Marquise or Mark Andrews, and uh, it's not like Lamar has been particularly great either. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. true. Sorry. Well, no, I'm just thinking. You know, this is supposedly like the sort of game in which you would expect Brown to have a much bigger role, because you know, in a lot of Ravens games, they get up early and they they don't have to pass much. This game was different. You saw Willie Sneed get seven targets. Uh, Mark Andrews got six. But, yeah, this is the sort of game that we, you know, this is like the reason we hold on to Brown because eventually games like this come around. And, you know, he did get a touchdown, but seven points is not not going to do it in your starting lineup. So, um, you know, at what point do we kind of rethink our thesis on Brown, I guess. Um, I've already, re- I mean, I'm rethinking it for sure. I don't think he's like uh, any form of alpha or particularly great. Like he's not really like, like I wouldn't say that he's an alpha and like the Will Fuller mold, if that makes sense, right? Um, he's kind of like, it's clear that like, at least in my opinion, that Mark Andrews might, they want him to be like their primary receiver. Marquise is kind of like a wide receiver too, maybe. And like he's kind of more game script slash game environment dependent. Um, the Steelers, like, I guess they just, dared the Ravens to beat them with Willie Sneed, and that's kind of how this <laughs> game played out, right? I mean, like, if you're going to get beaten by Willie Sneed, then so be it. But, like, realistically, he's he's not particularly good. Um, 
Duvernay made a couple of uh, well, he only had one catch, but it was a pretty, pretty, pretty eye popping one. Boykin also showed like signs of life, but like I mean, realistically, the the, the fact of the matter is this isn't a particularly good receiver core. Um, and uh, outside of Andrews, and even then, like maybe Andrews isn't in, like the guy in like the mold of like a kiddo that we think it is. I mean, like Lamar completed only thirteen or twenty eight pass attempts. Like that's pretty poor. And I mean, like, and and Lamar himself hasn't played particularly well. We know that. When Baltimore trails, he's not a particularly great um, quarterback, and that was kind of uh, you know evident today. Um, as far as Marquise Brown himself goes, I mean, like, wouldn't you kind of put him like he's not like his like he's not like a Tyreek Hill esque kind of player, right? Like, or a Will Fuller kind of guy who you sort of plug in and you know that they've got a frankly a solid floor. He's more like a I guess the McCole, McCole Hardman, where you're kind of putting him in your starting mm-hmm. lineup when it's uh, when you know that you're at least hoping or expecting a shootout, right? Yeah, that's a good comp. I mean, Fuller definitely has that huge upside, and uh, we've seen him have these games where he has <laughs> he has no floor to speak of. Uh, but we've also seen him act as like a target hog, well, where he'll get up to double-digit targets, and that creates a nice, you know, if he could get that role consistently, you can see him being a pretty easy wide receiver one. But Marquise Brown doesn't seem to have that, certainly not that role, maybe not even that skill set. So that is a little concerning. All right, before we get into our game today, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 75% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get into our game, Fantasy Believe It or Not. First up, Marvin Jones caught three of seven targets for 39 yards and two touchdowns in Week 8 against the Colts. Yeah, uh, I'm... I, I actually, I'm going to go with it and not believe it. Uh, Marvin Jones just looked so, so bad before today. And the really, like, the only reason he got any run was, uh, because Kenny Galladay had to, had to leave the game with a hip injury. Uh, I believe it happened, um, fairly early. Um, I'm going to just quickly check over here. Uh, he was, uh, you know, it's, it's not clear when he was actually like, um, you know, it was recognized that he was hurt. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason why if you have um, Marvin Jones, uh, Kenny Gallagher in your lineups, and he posted a zero, well, that's why because he got hurt. Uh, Marvin Jones has looked uh, absolutely terrible, even without Kenny Gallagher in the lineup. This is fairly fluky, and it's because of uh, you know extreme negative script. I mean, this the, the, the Lions like uh, Stafford attempted 42 passes and only completed 24 of them. Um, the Lions, this team has like been abjectly pathetic under Matt Patricia, and I'm quite surprised that he still has a job. Um, just a bunch of losses. Like three losses at home is 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 ridiculous to make uh, the Indianapolis Colts look like, um, you know, just basically, like, this team was not, I mean, it's a fine team, 
but to make them look the way they did, it was a very special um, mess up, at least from the, on the Lions' perspective. Uh, as far as speaking about Marvin Jones here, he was out-targeted by TJ Hawkinson, who saw 10. And that's who I expect to be the primary beneficiary going forward. Uh, Danny Amendola also got into the mix a little bit. Um, but uh, the other Marvin, Marvin Hall, uh, you know, he saw seven targets. and He caught four of those for 113 yards. And just in general, looked a lot better than Marvin Jones, right? And like, if if if, if anything, I see just you know this is being a fairly fluke um, performance from from Jones. He's really not a startable asset, and he, he should probably be on waiver wire redraft, right? <laughs> That's so funny to say after a, a two touchdown game, but I agree with you. Trey Burton caught three or four targets for nine yards and scored a two-yard rushing touchdown in week eight against the Lions. I really don't believe it. Uh, I know Burton had a pretty good game uh, a couple weeks ago heading into the bye week. He was, uh, or maybe it was a couple even before that, but, you know, it looked like he might be coming on as the Colts' uh, leading tight end. I think Jack Doyle caught a touchdown today. Um, so, you know, it's really, I think anyone's guess as to who is going to be the Indianapolis tight end you want. I mean, obviously Burton did score the rushing touchdown, but I don't know how, how repeatable we think that is. So, um, yeah, I'm selling this performance. I don't think, I don't think we should expect Burton to be, uh, to be doing, having games like this much. Well, I mean, actually this was not that good a game. Maybe I do believe it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't buy the rushing touchdown. I buy the receiving underperformance. Yeah, the rushing touchdown was weird. I mean, yeah, so I'm kind of with you on, like, the, the lackluster receiving touchdown, right? Like, the Colts got Pittman back. Uh, Hines led them in um, receiving yards. Uh, Zach Pascal got into the mix. Marcus, Marcus Johnson, just a whole bunch of, like, Madden creative player guys. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 Trey Burton was all the way at the at the back, right? And Michael Pittman also had one one target, one guy, six yards. But, like, this is a fairly crowded, well, I guess, with D.Y. Hilton being ruled out with a groin injury, is a fairly crowded receiver core or, like, a receiving room. So I don't see much for, like, Trey Burton here. But, um, you know, it's really, really worrisome that Jonathan Taylor, uh, I don't know, did he get hurt or did he just was he just, like, ineffective against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL? Uh, I mean, obviously his offense is not really doing him a lot of favors. Um, but John, Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't explain why Jordan Wilkins had like 89 yards and 20 carries. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. Um, I did not watch this game. I don't know if Taylor got hurt. I didn't hear anything. I think he was just kind of bad. And Wilkins was good. Um, you know, today, but I don't, I'm not necessarily taking this as like a long-term sign about Taylor's dynasty value or something. I mean, if you can trade for him after a performance like this, I would still probably try to do it. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of running backs who we think are good have games like this. So I'm not really that worried about Taylor, uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe I should be. You should be. Um, I think. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit concerning, right? Like this is not trending for a guy who was drafted in the second round, who lost his best, like his biggest competitor, Marlon Mack, to an early season Achilles injury, to now lose work to, um, you know, an after ran in, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jordan Wilkins, who couldn't beat up Marlon Mack, right? Like Mack completely sidelined him as a rookie. And then to also lose receiving work to Naheem Hines, it's a bit, it's a bit concerning. Like, I guess for like his immediate value, for sure. Like, like, like this season, but also if you're trying to trade for him in dynasty, I don't know what you'd give up because whoever drafted him believes in him. And I don't think that he's going to be worth what the other person will be asking for. Like, I would, like, I don't want someone who overdrafted Jonathan Taylor to get an out for like the price that they looked for. You know what I mean? Because there's still a plenty of exciting running backs coming through in Dynasty, as we know. And a running back's a running back, right? Like, who cares, in my opinion, right? Um, hmm. So, so yeah, I I do think this is uh, fairly... It, it's concerning that this, that this committee 
you know, this is emerging as a committee situation because prior to this, he was getting, I mean, he was still seeing, like, all that's happened to him is his carries have, like, trended downwards ever since, like, you know, September the, like, 20th, week two, yeah, where he had, like, 26 carries. Like, it's just been a slow downward decline for, like, Taylor, where his yards have dropped off, his, like, receiving work is gone, like, his rushing attempts have been scaled back. Um, and it makes no sense that they're, why they weren't using him to try and salt away the game late. And they were giving all that work to Jordan Wilkins, right? And like, that's, you know, there's a reason to be concerned here. Uh, at, at least in my opinion. And, and this is like coming right off after, uh, the last time we saw the Colts play against the Bengals where Jonathan Taylor saw 12 carries and like Wilkins had like one carry for negative one. Yeah. I think, I think bad games happen. Uh, and I agree with you. So maybe he just, they just needed to give him some time off, but I am getting a little bit concerned about, you know, who Taylor is or might be as a prospect. And it's possible that we were just wrong. Like as we tend to be about every other Wisconsin running back. <laughs> I mean, Melvin Gordon had a bad rookie season and broke out in a pretty big way in his second season. So if, if Taylor's on the Melvin Gordon path, then that's not, uh, necessarily a, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing for his long-term outlook. I don't think, I think he's probably better than Gordon. I don't, but I think if, if anything, they're probably the same, but I do think that you're right. I mean, it, maybe if he gets a like, micro fracture surgery or something in the off season, maybe then we'll know. But like, if he's like completely healthy and fine and there were no injuries, I mean, I don't know how you can be uh, convinced that he's, that he's anything, but like, I don't know, overvalued like Garrett Blount. <laughs> Okay. Do you own Taylor on any dynasty teams? I think so. What would you What would you want to get back for him? I probably want like a first blast, right? Like that's probably what I want. I'm not gonna, and it's yeah. probably what I'm not gonna get, right? Because I don't want to give that for Taylor. Yeah. You see, there's right. a, there's a there's a big difference between the bid and the ask. I think. Yeah, that's possible. I'm thinking about like if if somebody offered you uh like James Robinson and a pick or something. Nah, probably not. Unless I was like supremely contending and I was in first and I really needed like the running back points and I was completely like running back like dependent. Right. Yeah, that's probably when I'd do it. I mean like I, in one of my leagues I saw Jonathan Taylor traded for Saquon Barkley in a first straight up way back in like week like right as soon as like uh Barkley got hurt, right? Which, and, yeah. and you know what? Kudos to the owner who did it because he's had a really good roster. He's like gashed the last two years. So he just had to be aggressive there. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think you're getting Barkley in a first for him now? Well, no, not now. But, you know, <laughs> back then, that, even then, it, it sounds like a lot to get right. Back, but. Yeah, but I mean, that's the only way you really trade for these running backs, unfortunately, right? Like, this really just ludicrous pricing on these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Devin Singletary rushed 14 times for 86 yards in the Bills' Week 8 win over the Patriots. Um, This is actually interesting because both him and Moss, I believe, had a very similar workload. And, and Moss had uh, the, um, the touchdowns. So it just looks like this team is going to go with like a committee approach here. Yeah, and Moss had like 14 carries for 81 yards and two scores. Um, and they both had one target each. Uh, I am going to believe it, right? Like it, it does look like this is a strict timeshare, right? With Singletary, Moss, Josh Allen, the three of them. And I think it's fascinating. It would be fascinating to see if Moss can actually gain more ground. But at the, you know, but for Singletary owners, you should be pretty happy with this like performance, even though he didn't score. Um, any touchdowns, which I think you really want, though, because if he's only getting his value on the ground, then then it's uh, not all that great. Um, so it, it's going to be a bit of like whack-a-mole to figure out which of these two guys is going to be start- startable. But they, in my opinion, they both are going forward. Cam Akers rushed nine times for 35 yards, and the Rams is week eight loss to the Dolphins. I can't believe it. Cam Akers touched the ball in a Los Angeles Rams game this season. Um, I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is the Rams fell behind early to the Miami Dolphins of all teams and decided 
what the hell? Let's just give the rookie some touches. Uh, and I mean, I say this as someone who actually was a fan of Cam Akers going into the season. So, I mean, I don't know what to make of this. There's no way to tell whether this is going to go, you know, who's going to get the carries next week. Um, Malcolm Brown also had 10 carries. Henderson had eight. So they were just kind of divvying them up pretty evenly. Um, I don't see this as a sign that Akers is going to be taking over this backfield, but I still think he has some dynasty value. You know, we saw Henderson do nothing his rookie year, and then so far this season, coming into the game, he was the leading uh, rusher uh, for the team. So, yeah, um, I, I still think Akers is probably a good dynasty asset, and I think it's good to see some some signs of life here, if anything, you know, uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure we can actually take much from this game for this season. Yeah. This was just a weird game, right? Like, it, you know, with Miami, uh, two defensive touchdowns early. Um, Henderson also had to leave the game before the half of the tie injury. So who knows? Maybe the Rams just decided that like, well, we're not, you know, we're not, um, this is not really a game that we're going to go in. Uh, so, or we're going to win. So we might as well, give Akers some work. What is interesting, though, it seemed like he did work as a 1A to Malcolm Brown's 1B. But like you said, I don't know how much of that is a function of just how by how badly they trailed. Um, you know, he did fine. Like, nothing great, uh, in my opinion. Like, he, you know, nine carries, 35 yards. Like, he had, you know, had a similar yards per carry as Malcolm Brown, similar expected points. Henderson was clearly by far, like, more explosive. Um, you know, he was averaging about six yards a carry. And, uh, you know, he caught one of his two targets, um, you know, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see at the, at the very least what happens. I'm hopeful, um, that Henderson is healthy and he's able to go next week against the Seahawks because he's been having, uh, you know, an absolute ridiculous season, but it'll be interesting, like you said, to see what happens with acres, um, at the very least, uh, if he's able to get some work and, um, maybe there's a bit of a flop lag or a bit of a delay here in some of these rookie RBs. You know, we have to wait a little bit, right? So Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and even maybe uh, J.K. Dobbins might not be real hits until next year. I don't know if I'd even classify Swift as a real hit yet, but um, uh, he should be. It's just Patricia's a little stubborn, I guess. <laughs> Would have before this game. Probably. Yeah. Devontae Parker caught one of two targets for a three-yard touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 8 win over the Rams. Yeah, this is, uh, I yeah, I guess I'm just going to go with, uh, I don't know, I've got to actually look up uh, look up um, uh, Parker's actual like performance, even with Fitzpatrick under center, but this kind of feels a little bit like a, like a believe it to me. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked a little bit about like the, about the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the defensive touchdowns just sort of throwing this entire game off script. I mean, two all attempted 12 of 22 pass. He completed 12 of 22 passes. Uh, you know, I mean, he, you know, he like, uh, Preston Williams and, and Miles Gaskin led, led this team in targets. And then they were just really spreading it around. Um, but, um, but yeah, just looking at Parker's performance this year, uh, not good. Not great, just really pitiful, frankly. Um, he's been like a wide receiver three or worse in about four of his games uh, this this year. Only one wide receiver one performance and one wide receiver two performance and nothing that's really all that surprising. It's a fairly narrow, tight band. Um, he'll get you anywhere between... between uh, he'll get you anywhere between like nine to... 13 PPR points, like from like a median perspective, perspective, which is just not all that great, right? And that's where I'm just saying you can kind of see this going with Parker down like the rest of the the season, especially if Tua seems to prefer uh, Preston Williams. Yeah, what are you making of this game from Tua? I mean, obviously it was a very weird game where we had two defensive touchdowns scored by the Dolphins, um, he only had to attempt 22 passes, but still barely completed half of them, only 93 yards. He did get the one touchdown, but it just was, um, a little bit underwhelming, maybe. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about Tua going forward after seeing this game? Yeah, I don't think I can draw anything from it though. Um, because, yeah. who know- because who knows? Like, right? Like, we just don't like, 
we don't know. Like maybe because we're we're not we're not privy to any of the Miami practice notes. We don't know what game plan they really wanted to run. They never had to show their hand against the against the Rams, and Rams didn't threaten at all in this game. Um, you know, after a twenty-one point second quarter, uh, you know the the Rams also were scoreless for most of this for most of the game. Like they were just kind of doing their best to do nothing. A lot of empty, a lot of empty uh, yardage there at the end. Um, like it just it doesn't matter because we just don't know what this offense will look like. It'll be interesting to see what happens next week against uh, the Cardinals, right? For sure. Damian Harris rushed 16 times for 102 yards and a touchdown in the Patriots' week eight loss to the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is one that I believe... um, This is a performance that we've seen Harris have before. He's looked good when he's gotten the opportunity. I think this is his second 100-yard rushing game in just a handful of weeks. Um, But, I mean, the question is, you know, next week, are they going to give him 16 carries or is it going to be, you know, Burkhead getting the carries or or uh something like that. So it's tough to tell what this actually means going forward, but I think it's definitely um it's it's definitely a performance that yeah, Harris is capable of and if he can carve out a more permanent role here then um yeah, I believe it. Yeah, um I'm with you. Um I mean, like he's looked pretty pretty explosive. And um, it's clear that like the this the gap between him and Michelle is increasing. Um, yeah, I I just don't know what to make of this backfield, right? Like I just don't know which 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 running back you want to start. And I I hate saying better than best ball, but it's true, I mm. guess. In this, I guess in this in this um, instance, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like James White has been really phased out too, so. Uh, let's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what's going on, especially given the lack of just receiving down on that team. It's a bit mind boggling, but you know, interesting to follow here. It's a, it's really a tough season, I think, for the Patriots. Like, it's, it's tough to figure out this offense as, as well. Henry Ruggs caught two of four targets for eight yards in the Raiders' week eight win over the Browns. Um, I guess I'm on the not believe it. I and mean, this was like the win game, right? Like this was like just the game that be like, you know, people were talking about the win for, for a long time on both sides of the ball. Neither, neither like, um, offense get much going through the air. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs did fairly well on the ground. Um, you know, much to my dismay personally, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I had a, I had an under on his, on his rushing receiving prop, but, uh, that was not to be, um, I mean, yeah, so this is just one of those, you know, how much can really be taken from this, right? Like, it's uh, Gar had like 112 yards passing, make, Baker had like 122 yards passing. This was just a tough, tough game. Um, Ruggs, Ruggs is a guy who I'm kind of optimistic uh, seeing going forward. Um, we just know that he's a big, like, he's just such a big play threat, right? And, like, at the very least, he could be um, kind of Will Fuller esque going forward as well. But like we'll have to see because he's still, you know, kind of working his way back, getting his sea legs back. And um you know, it's a little bit it's heartening to see him get you know, a little bit of run here. I mean he hasn't done a lot since that game against KC, but he's uh, and it's unfortunate he's not getting more targets, right? He's like in the three target. Like he really his median target projection is probably three, which is a bit worrisome if you didn't know him to be a big play threat. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's definitely a little disappointing he's not getting more targets. I mean, Carr only attempted 24 passes, so it's not, you know, maybe the most representative game. I think, I didn't watch this game, but it would be interesting to go back and see where he was getting targeted because, um, you know, Ruggs at Alabama was someone who they used as a deep threat, but they also were using him all over the field. Like, they would target him on short passes too and let him make a play after the catch. And, you know, in a game with really high wins, you'd expect the teams to lean more on that sort of game where uh, in college rugs really excelled. So, um, you know, in a way him 
going to the combine and running a sub four three forty was maybe like the worst thing if it made if it meant that teams kind of peg him as only a deep threat, only a guy who who can go fast. I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously <laughs> these teams are doing their due diligence when they draft players, but um, I would hope that he eventually gets a bigger role that is more versatile than just, you know, you run really fast past, past the cornerback and I'll throw it as far as I can because that's not really going to be a recipe for – for, you know, consistent fantasy relevance. Corey Davis got 8 of 10 targets for 128 yards and a touchdown in the Titans as a week 8 loss to the Bengals. Uh, I do not believe it. I think this was another game where there were some concerns about the wind. Um, you know, uh, A.J. Brown had 7 targets, only caught 4 of them. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game for him. You know, we've kind of seen this before where Davis will have these, these games that seemingly come out of nowhere where he'll be a big, uh, he'll get a ton of targets and, and turn them into something, but he just has not, we know what Davis is at this point. He's just not been consistent enough with, uh, his opportunity, not been all that great on his opportunity most of the time to actually be, uh, all that valuable. So I, you know, I don't think we should read that much into this sort of usage split between Davis and AJ Brown. I'm still, uh, still not all that interested in Davis in many formats. Um, I don't know. Am I missing something here? Nah, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm kind of with you. I just, it is, it is weird and a little frustrating that the team just doesn't target AJ Brown. I didn't watch this game. So I don't know what was going on with the, you know, Coverage and so on and so forth, but you know it's uh, it's it's no coincidence that the last the previous two losses um, have come. You know they started you know have come when uh, the Titans have more pass attempts and more targets to Corey Davis and they do AJ Brown. Corey Davis had ten targets mm-hmm. last week as well, and they managed to turn those into six receptions and thirty five yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and they didn't turn to AJ Brown until way way later in the game. Um, you know, a bit like keeping your, uh, just not wanting to, I don't know what they're doing. Like they just don't want to like let people know that AJ Brown is good or something. I think the cat's out of the bag there, guys. Uh, he's really good. <laughs> um, you know, so it's a little frustrating watching, you know, everyone else like get more targets than AJ Brown when it's clear, like, like they should really just be focusing on him, I, I think. But, and it's clear that he can make plays. I just don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, that said, uh, the last two games where the coaching staff had given Corey Davis more targets than A.J. Brown, they lost. So hopefully this is a lesson that they learn and uh, we get more targets going the other way. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the not-believe-it side. I, you know, I mean, I, outside of very deep leagues in best ball, like there was just no way you could like, confidently plug in Corey Davis into your lineup. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe if you're chasing the 10 targets from last week and you figured he'd out-target Brown again, like, Maybe, but I, I mean, like everyone kind of had this game full peg. There's like a Derrick Henry smash spot, right? Like 200 plus yards and three TD type of thing. Mm. So I don't know. Would you believe it if I told you Dante Foreman is on the Titans and got five carries in this game for 37 yards? I do actually, and I uh, and and I think that that was uh, pretty interesting. I, it's it's interesting because that means that they just had done with the Jeremy Nick. I guess what did you, what did McNichols do? Well, he had four carries for 49 yards and a target. So he was actually a little bit better. But uh, but um, I don't know. You know, Darrington Evans is still on IR. I assume that when he's healthy, they would like to get him pretty involved. But, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, you know, Foreman, I didn't even know he was on an NFL roster. Uh, he's obviously one of our favorites back uh, back when he came into the league. So it'll be interesting to see if he can – sort of reinvigorate his career in even in a small way. Yeah, and I'm kind of rooting for him to do that. But you said, you know, Darren Evans, and I'm really excited for that prospect of Darren Evans because he looked really sure. good before before injuring his hammy. He actually looked like he had burst, right? So um, I'm pretty, pretty ecstatic uh, if this team is deciding that they want to scale back some of Henry's workload. And Henry's still very, very good, don't get me wrong. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on. Going into this game, Henry had more targets than Dalvin Cook. Did you know that? Would you believe it? Uh, yeah, I do believe it. 
<laughs> anyway, let's move on to our next news item. News item number three. Jerry Judy caught four of ten targets for 73 yards and no touchdowns in the Broncos' Week 8 win over the Chargers. Judy was a prospect who he obviously had a lot of hype during the NFL draft coming into the NFL. What do you make of his rookie year thus far, and what are your expectations for well, for him and for the Broncos offense uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, this is uh, interesting. I mean, this was such a lucky win for them, I think, uh, especially last second <laughs> W against yeah. the, the Chargers. My God. Um, you know, all that said, um, yeah, I think Judy's rookie season is has a lot of parallels, I guess, to Cortland Sutton's a little bit in that they were, you know, begged to play with like these lackluster quarterbacks. Um, despite the, and I guess, well, Sutton, not really, cause he had to compete with, uh, with, uh, Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders, right? Whereas Judy really has, is struggling to beat out guys like Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. Um, I still think Judy has been playing this game. I think, yeah, exactly. He? Yeah. But Pat- Patrick did pretty well last week. Right. Um, you know, all that said, I don't think this is a real knock on Judy as a player. I think a lot of it has to do with like Elway and, um, the poor quarterback situation. And yeah, I mean, I'd be slightly concerned about Judy, but like, I also think he's very good. So, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to take anything really away from this at least, but like, I am kind of, you know, a little pessimistic on Judy's prospects from like a, you know, perspective of, um, do I think how, how he's going to be or like where his role will be with a, you know, good quarterback under center? He probably will be more like the one, well, not one C, probably be like the two behind like Sutton and Fan, who I think are like the clear alpha options in this offense. What are your thoughts? I think that is probably right. I. Uh... Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, nobody's under any illusions that Drew Locke is is anything other than a replacement-level quarterback at best. I mean, I think this is a team that ought to be looking to improve in the draft, ought to be looking to draft a quarterback, um, you know, until they hit really until they hit on one that is uh, is a little bit, uh, you know, a long-term option. Um, I guess Judy, I would still probably say. I'm more optimistic about Judy in this offense necessarily than Fant. Uh, but, you know, Fant had a pretty good game. He caught seven of his nine targets, only 47 yards. But, you know, he's getting the targets. He has the role. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's doing as well as I guess you could expect with, uh, with Drew Locke. So. Yeah. I like all three of these guys, Cortland Sutton and Fant and Judy. So I'm, I think that if you, if they had the right quarterback, it doesn't even, you wouldn't even necessarily think it has to be someone great. Like we all thought going into the season, even if Drew Locke is not that good with these weapons, he could be, he could be definitely, uh, you know, fantasy relevant and, and a sort of a, a useful streamer or even starter, uh, possibly. So, you know, any kind of upgrade at QB, I think would be, would be huge on this team. DK Metcalf of caught 12 of 15 targets for 161 yards and two touchdowns in week eight against the Niners. Uh, last week, Tyler Lockett was the highest scoring wide receiver for the week. And, you know, this week it looks like it might be uh, Metcalf. You know, what are your expectations for either player for the rest of the season? Well, uh, I think there are a couple interesting things. I mean, it doesn't look like, for the most part, these two guys are gonna coexist very well in the same game. Like, they're very negatively correlated. So, I think that gives you at least some indication of what you should be trying to do with them in DFS, for instance, in terms of stacking. Don't play them both. But, um, in terms of who that's gonna be on a week to week basis, that's obviously uh, a harder determination to make. I think I'm definitely more bullish on Metcalf than Lockett. He's obviously younger. He's got the freak athleticism. He's, um, you know, this is not the first time we've, we've seen him really have a kind of a blow up game. I think it's his third hundred yard game of the season. 
Uh, let me just check. In fact, last week at Arizona was the first time all season Metcalf has had less than 92 yards. So um, he's someone who has these blow-up games, but he also has mostly shown that he's got a pretty nice, a pretty nice floor, which uh, Lockett, on the other hand, has had a few games like this where he's been kind of disappointing, you know, 33 yards, 39 yards, 44 yards. Um, so I think Metcalf is, is uh, definitely the receiver to own here. You know, before last week we were talking about whether Metcalf might be in the conversation for, uh, you know, like wide receiver one overall in Dynasty. Uh, do you think... Do you think that's crazy? Uh, no. Um, yeah. I do think I do think that he should be in the conversation for it. But like, I mean, part of it is also I just don't know how pass happy this offense is gonna remain at least in the future, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's like part of the projection there, right? Like, everyone's been commenting on this on this that Russ Cook stuff, and we've never really you know seen this before, or at least to what we have to this degree. And some of it helps because like Seattle's defense is just so woeful. But um, yeah, I definitely think Metcalf's value is a lot higher uh, now than, uh, than it was at the time. I mean, and I still see people making like, you know, glib responses about like the three cone drills and everything. But like part of it is, I mm-hmm. mean, this is still like a pretty perfect fit for like Metcalf's skill set for one. Uh, for two, he's also a fairly black bro- black box of a prospect because there's just not a lot to go off of. Um, I'm unsure if tape grinders are calling this a win, but uh, if so, I don't <laughs> think that that's correct because uh, I mean there's not enough tape you know on him to even grind, so I, I have no idea what they watch. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, so it's just it's just one of those things. I I still do think that you know all else equal, uh, AJ Brown's still like superior. Uh, and I'm probably not going to back down from that position, if only because we've seen AJ Brown just be an absolute mensch, even with or without like Metcalf in the lineup back in college with Jordan Tamu, who wasn't good enough for the XFL uh, as his quarterback. Right? Uh, we've seen we've seen um, AJ Brown do well with Mariota and Tannehill, and you know Metcalf's got Russ. Right? Like, could you imagine if the roles were reversed? Like we'd be talking about like is um, AJ Brown, um, you know, the one of one? And I know, I know. Um, Dan Williams, an overhyped sleeper, like uh, was trolling Twitter way like at the beginning of the like, best ball season, like back in like early March, by like drafting AJ <laughs> Brown as like you know at the one on one and FFPC and BB tens and everything. But like you know, if if the roles were reversed next year, we would have been talking about AJ Brown as the possible one on one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that brings up a good point. So given the fact that the roles aren't reversed, that Metcalf has Russ as his quarterback for the foreseeable future and Brown's quarterback situation doesn't necessarily figure to get better in the near term. Uh, would you still have Brown ranked ahead of Metcalf in dynasty? I think it kind of depends on like your exposure, right? Uh, but so I'm ambivalent. Suppose you were drafting in your first league ever. I'm ambivalent. Take the guy you want. I think they're, I think they're, you know, I, I think they should be like, like, cause I typically do tiers. And so from a tier perspective, yeah. they're absolutely in the same tier. And so you just yeah. take the guy you want or like, you know, at least for me, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're drafting off of tiers, I guess if I see that, um, uh, you know, that the wide receivers I've got grouped as like my, you know, my top tier guys, I just a bunch of guys, right? So that's why I'm okay with moving down as long as I get one of those three or four or whatever, however many, you know, white outs it is. So just take the guy you want is, is, is my advice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. good advice. Obviously take the guy you want. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's tough for me. To be fun, right? Like, uh, for sure. Right. And so like, just, if you want to root for, if you want to root for any of those guys, just pick, just pick, Pick the guy you want. I think as long as as long as you're you know comfortable in your own tiers or whatever. So for sure, you know. I mean, this game from Metcalf was a lot of fun. So I don't know. Man, it was it's tough. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. By the way, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like everyone's like saying, is an ankle thing. I, I don't know, man. He's, he's just terrible. He looks so bad. He's so yeah. terrible. 
probably the second time he's been taken out of a game and the excuse has been he got hurt when actually he just sucked. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not, I don't know, it's terrible. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010, I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.